0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Angeles, California. welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host Shaw McCain.
0: Hi everyone. I'm your host Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and the Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter. And we're translating to many different languages for our listeners outside the country, we're proud to say. And the call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. The Paranormal and the Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During the show, I can take questions in order in chat, or you may call in with your question and speak with our special guest tonight. Any buzz killers are in chat or on the phone will be similarly kicked out, and made fun of, and I will I will, uh, will, try to chase you down. Anyway, I have a copy of your number, and I'll call you back and bug you, so don't bug me, and I won't bug you. Anyway, to make a few announcements before we get our special guest on tonight, uh, I want to tell you, a friend of mine, Melinda Leslie, is out there in Sedona, Arizona, where it's probably hotter than hell or Hades right now. But anyway, she's going out with her uh, military night vision goggles, and she's actually taking people on these uh, UFO tours. And uh, everybody has a great time out there. And uh, she, she's very knowledgeable and, and wonderfully smart a woman. And you can call her for reservations at 928-282-2085 and tell her the Paranormal Secret sent you. And the tours are $75 per person for the first four people. And you can bring your party and bring your chairs and sit out under the stars. The first. The fifth person in your group is free. Kids 14 and under is always free because she likes to teach uh, everybody about the constellations and things going on out there. Anyway, there's group discounts and gift certificates are available. Also, I want to tell you a little about the Serials International Support Group. Uh, Yvonne Smith founded this over 23 years ago, and she's a renowned hypnotherapist, and she's also the president and director of Serial International. It's actually a support group. For individuals that have had uh, very negative uh, let's say abduction experiences and everything else and she does uh uh past life regressions and things like that. But anyway, to get a hold of her go to w zero dot com. They also have special speakers uh from literally around the world who come and speak for the group. So if you want to get a hold of somebody you can trust, you can go to Yvonne Smith, w zero C international dot com. Anyway, you know what's going on this weekend in Maine? It's awesome. So many friends are out there. It's from uh, August uh, 28th, 29th in Maine right now. And you go to www.experiencespeak.yolasite.com, And I think there's like three or four VIP dinners and with all the special speakers. Uh, So just give them a call over there for more information, 774-766-2558. I know very many of our uh, friends that are in the, the UFO uh, circle are over there right now and gathering. And they also have a camp out for those who can't afford the regular deal. There's like 100 people in tents having a camp out. So they're having a wonderful time. Now, okay, the number there, again, 774 And last but not least, I want to tell you about my good friend, Marilyn Salas. Now, she's the awesome creative wife of Captain Robert Salas. And if you remember him from the Montana Missile Range, uh, Missile Silo Incident. Anyway, uh, she has this wonderful product called Love's Blessing. She sent this to me as a little gift. And you know what? a healing mist is so soft that it smells like incense. And I spray it on the back of my neck. And it keeps my energy up throughout the day. And you can uh, use it for even – it smells like incense to me. So it's uh, for praying and meditation. She has 26 essential oils and – uh, she does crystal power and all that. Anyways, you want to hear more about what she's doing? Go to com. Or you can reach Marilyn Sellers herself at ohihealer at gmail.com. And you also can write it if you want to go by snail mail, P.O. Box 1075, Ohio, California 93024. And I hope you can hear us okay tonight because we have the air on because it's just too damn hot out here. I think it's about 89 right now. And it was 91 earlier, so I hope all is well. Anyway, I'm going to tell you a little bit about tonight's guest. What an awesome and prolific writer. Anyway, his name is Ron Felber, and he began his writing career with articles based on his experiences for True Detective magazine and went on to write three books in the classic Nick Carter series. Like his protagonist, Jack Madsen, of his trilogy, Felber has worked as a deputy sheriff transporting federal criminals. We have that in common and has fought Golden Gloves. He has another book, uh, El Dittori, The Double Life of the Mafia Doctor, as basis for the Fox television series, The Mob Doctor. He's a graduate from Georgetown University, and Bob Selber earned his master's degree in English from Loyola University in Chicago, and he has a doctorate from Duke University. He's also the president and CEO of a major manufacturing company. Anyway, right now, he's residing in New Jersey with his wife and kids, and and you can get a hold of him, and I give you, I'm going to give you his information throughout the program. But www.ronfelbr.com, because I know people are already starting to re- pre-order the book, and they have told me so. So anyway, right now I think I see him, and I want to welcome him to the show. Is this you, Ron?
1: Yes, it is, Shark. Good to, it's Good to hear hey. from you.
0: Hey, good to hear. <laughs> good, glad you're on here. Um, yes, I, I really was quite enthralled about your book, and. It's actually uh you're doing the pre we're doing the pre release. It'll be released in December and uh my friends are already uh, actually, saying, well, I watching.
1: Yeah, actually it'll be it will be released in September. So oh, good. yeah, that that yeah, it'll be out in uh, September seventh in bookstores and it can be ordered now on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble, you know, through the internet.
0: Oh good, thank you so much. And welcome to the show tonight and uh thank you. Why why don't you start at the beginning because I'm just interested to uh, hear how you got into all this and where you grew up and everything. So go ahead.
1: Well, I mean in terms of my writing, I've been writing for a long long time. Uh probably since since the sixth grader. So I wrote my first short story and wrote some uh a couple of plays and a lot of short stories in high school and then in college and I had my first book published uh, way back in 1977. Believe it or not, when I was a wow. pretty young young guy. And um, and then went on from there. And the interesting thing I think about uh, the Mojave incident is this isn't the kind of story I would normally write about. I've been writing, uh, well, uh, books for executives on pres- you know leadership, presidential leadership, for example, or or uh, crime thrillers, you know, based on uh, some of my experiences and true life stories and my fictional character Jack Madsen. But I came across this story from a business associate who was a football player and um, a varsity football player in college. And one of his teammates, who was a, an all-state football player, uh, had this experience along with his wife. Now He had wife and uh, two children at the time, three now. But what made it unusual for me was I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really interested in that kind of story. I wouldn't do it justice. But uh, he was very compelling and said, you know, these people are so sincere and they really don't want to tell this story. They've kept it hidden within them for quite some time. They're almost embarrassed about it, and they've told virtually no one outside of their parents. But I think if they met you, they'd tell you, and I think it would be good for you, and I think it would be good for them. So that's really how this started. It wasn't like they came after me and said, oh, I've got this great story, or I came after them. It was really a, a kind of coincidence.
0: Wow. Um have, have you personally had any kind of uh, – because I know that you are are interested in criminology and things like that, and actually that's what I do. I work for uh, a contractor for the federal government, and I counsel – I'm a friends that counsel for federal prisoners.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's kind
0: of a strange uh, coincidence. But anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Um, and I, uh, so I was thinking, have you ever had a personal experience
1: you know, I really wish lines. I could tell you that that I did. I mean, I you know, like everybody, I suppose. I mean, I'd be, you know, I'd welcome uh, seeing a UFO, or I'd welcome, you know, talking, you know, experiencing this this curtain drawing so that you see what's behind it. But no, I no, I haven't. And um, I think probably that's what for me as a novice to all of this it made it so incredibly fascinating, and I think the story itself is so compelling and so detailed uh, that uh, I don't know of another one like it. And that's why I wrote this.
0: That's not interesting. So do you want to tell us about it? or uh, Because I can't find any notes on it, really. Uh, yeah,
1: sure. I, yeah, sure. You know what? I, I could do, too, a little along the way, since we have time, which is always great. Uh, you know, I yeah. I have a couple of tiny sections maybe that would be of interest to your audience. But just basically, here here are these two um uh, young uh young couple. So they uh, have the usual strains, financial strains that young couples do, new house, mortgage, couple of kids, another on the way. And so they want to uh escape, to uh you know, uh, get out of the house. Uh, the mother wants to, you know, stretch her legs a little bit, maybe listen to some music, go somewhere. The uh the husband, Tom Gifford is an avid hunter, and a season before he had missed a mule deer and uh, wanted to go back to the Mojave Desert to bag that deer. So what they decided to do, rather than go separately, money being what it was, they left in their camper together. Their parents watched the kids, and they went out into uh, into the Mojave. Prior to that, they stopped at a place called Whiskey Pete's where they gambled a little bit, they were going to go to the Mid Hills campsite, but they got there rather late, and it was sold out. So Tom Gifford, being a kind of rough-and-tumble guy, said, Well, let's let's go into the desert. I know the desert like the back of my hand. I know where I want to go. So the uh, wife, Elise, had sort of had her fill of what she wanted to do. They'd been dancing, and they'd listened to music and had a good time. So, okay, they went into the desert, but around where they are, it's around SEMA Dome in the New York Mountain Range, and it's uh, very isolated, very, very isolated. And so they wound up camping there, and while they're roasting marshmallows after they'd finished a couple of steaks, they see a like pattern. And at first, I think it's a configuration of stars. It's, a you know, stargazing. It's so clear out there. But it's a very definite pattern, and these are such so bright. It's... Uh, it's not like anything they'd ever seen. So, the uh, the wife, Elise, gets a little nervous. Of course, you know we're out here by ourselves. I mean, what you know, we're we're very vulnerable. Yeah. So the husband, being a hunter, has his guns and whatnot, and says, "You know, don't worry. I'm, you know, I'll take care of us if anything happens." But then these things start to fall to the ground, and by the dozens, they start falling to the ground and rushing toward them. And they see these red eyes, and uh, that's how the the 12 hours, eight conscious, with both of them in the back of their camper, eight hours of conscious experience, and then four hours that were recovered later through retrogressive hypnosis.
0: Wow. So these, these people, uh, did you use their real names or... or... How does how the whole thing work?
1: I changed I changed the names mostly because of uh, you know children and things of that nature. I did you know they um, right they preferred that and I can understand why.
0: Um, I do yeah. have a little
1: quote maybe that sets that off. In terms of the uh, the opening that I just described, here's a quote from Tom Gifford. May I read it? When we first saw them dropping from the sky, we thought it was some kind of military maneuver, maybe for Operation Desert Storm. But it was too massive even for that. I mean, there were thousands of them falling, then rushing toward us. So I kicked out the campfire, grabbed my gun, and ran into the back of the camper with a Then we sat there, Indian-style, waiting until they came, thousands of them, thousands of pairs of tiny red eyes glowing in the dark around us. Kind of creepy. Wow. <laughs>
0: Very creepy, <laughs> especially the the Mojave to me itself is not my destination of choice. I really don't like it out there. <laughs> and, 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 you it, know, it, it's, but it's a, it, it's you a spooky see stars place. Out there, cool. It's a spooky place, and I, I don't really like to go there. But And, uh, and you know, go ahead.
1: you want to hear a really interesting thing that I found out later, you know, after I'd interviewed them and taped them, and we videotaped their, you know, retrogressive hypnosis sessions, and we had them... Uh, Brought to the National Center of Psychiatry for for study to see if there was psychosis or neurosis, which there wasn't. But uh, at the end, these guys recounted word for word almost separately, identical experiences. So a lot of people would say, well, maybe they took peyote or mescaline or maybe they were drugged in some botulism from, you know, bad uh, tainted food. But both psychiatrists, and one was an FBI retrogressive hypnotist, worked with the FBI. It's impossible for people to have the same hallucinations. So in other words, if you if you took LSD and I took LSD, you would have a total separate experience than I would. It would be drawn from your unconscious, etc. But moment to moment, for eight hours, they sat in the back of a camper literally pinching themselves. Do you see what I see? I see this. Do you see this? I see that too. How big is this? How big is that? How big is the craft above us? And it's stunning, but uh, Tom Gifford says it's the size of a football field.
0: Oh, my God. You know, I've heard that before with that one out that was out in Texas, and uh, I interviewed some people that were there and eyewitnesses to that. And uh, I have seen a UFO, so I do know that they're real, but mine was more small and low and close. But the ones that they're talking about, they're describing it like it's the mothership or something.
1: Exactly. It must be
0: able to carry. I, uh, you know, I don't know how many people uh, in there other or craft. aliens or other yeah, craft. Actually, you know, that's what Travis uh, Walton says.
1: Well, actually, that's what they say. And, and one of the things I, I think is, that's important about this account is the detail. I mean, they really describe the the various kinds of aliens that they encounter. Uh, Consciously, in vivid detail they they describe the craft, for example, there's a triangular sort of craft that's combing the desert basin while they're trapped in the back, surrounded by these illuminated beings with this giant mother craft above them, and it's combing the desert basin, apparently looking for minerals or or mining. They called it a searcher because it was looking mm. you know it, it seemed to be dragging things up from the desert floor. There were also these smaller craft that first dropped down from the sky. But as it turned out, they dropped from this, this huge mother craft. That was, I mean, imagine something the size of a football field. It's hard to hard to comprehend.
0: And it's silent. You can't hear like a, a roaring engine or anything like that. It's uh, silent and moves fast when it wants to, I think.
1: Right? It's very eerie.
0: <laughs> very, very eerie.
1: Trapped in the back of the camper, this is what Elise Gifford says, they wanted everything we had, everything, our minds, our bodies, even our souls, I think. It was like they drew it out of us with a syringe, every molecule, and it was painful, and I thought we were going to die or had already died and were being tortured in hell.
0: God, the poor things. It gives me the chills because uh – they were awake and describing this. I've mercifully uh, dream a lot. You know, I can I can say I've been dreaming or something like that, so I feel a little bit removed from some of it. But I feel bad for them because they, they must have PTSD from this. Oh, you know, you know of that, it alters uh, their worldview.
1: Absolutely correct. So, As a matter of fact, the, the doctor, Dr. Doctor who was the director mm-hmm. of national psychiatry in Washington, D.C., examined them at length and said they suffered from the uh, the trauma and the uh, post-traumatic stress of a POW. You know, sexual so dysfunction.
0: How long, so, this, so how long ago did this happen?
1: This happened in in 89, and then went on right. for a period after that. But uh, the the actual experience uh, began in 89. There was an experience that, uh, that Tom Gifford had had when he was a young boy, where he had... Um, had uh, been fishing actually with another young boy. And by that, I mean an eight year old or so. And Mm they, they'd uh, seen a, an object and actually felt like it was following them. And he had some missing time as a young boy, but you know, it, it was something that he couldn't explain and didn't really talk about, but it came back, you know, it came back like a tsunami when this happened in the desert, uh, many years later.
0: Right. Um, you know the the people that uh, are they getting help uh now did they join, join any groups or support groups or anything
1: how do I, I these think people they found now? Yeah, they found great comfort uh uh Elise Gifford was Mormon and uh okay. a fairly devout Mormon and uh both of them uh, found some comfort in the church uh you know over time and actually I was just in contact with them recently and i don't know that they're active members of the uh of the uh mormon church at the moment but for that period of time for years after that it uh, it was a kind of sanctuary
0: i'm surprised uh wait a minute let me think about uh the Mo- mormon culture don't the mormons believe that they come from like another planet
1: you know i i i don't know much about about uh the Mormon faith to tell you the truth, but I don't think so. I think that's more like Scientology. i think uh okay. the, the mormon it, it's a christian it's a christian you know uh right. religion it's a christian faith um and no, I don't think that uh that's part of it i think the it, and i'm I'm really out of my depth here, but I think the point was that uh, Jesus Christ actually spent time in north america that's yeah. that's, that's i think that the yeah and, that, and, that uh, is what they yeah, I think so, but I can tell you this, uh, my understanding is that the way that it was interpreted by the people they went to within the church was more like demon possession, and it has overtones like that, because really there were these uh, smaller beings, they called them gremlins, that were just, just sort of evil, and these were the red-eyed creatures, and then there were a sort of more intelligent ones that, that surrounded their craft and and uh, dealt telepathically with them, trying to draw out emotions, to see how they reacted, draw out memories, some of them good and some of them not good at all. Uh, but uh, at the very end, there was a sort of angelic being that came down and uh, and said, you know, telepathically, don't worry. This won't go on forever. You will survive this. And things calmed down. And they called that being a comforter. So... There's a lot of ways to look at this story and from my standpoint, I mean, I would take it at, at its face value that it was a yeah. UFO alien abduction experience. But certainly there's other things that could be it could be looked at in different ways.
0: Well, it is it is the uh, you know, I have mixed feelings about it because uh well, I'm an experiencer and have had lifelong uh, abduction issues and all that, and I never felt that it had anything to do with demons or anything like that. To me, it was more mm-hmm. of a scientific, let's say scientists coming here from another dimension, or another world, uh, for some reason they want our genetic material, and yeah. uh, they follow people through a lifetime because maybe they followed them as, you know, the ancient alien thing goes that they follow them throughout a lifetime, too, because they, they're fascinated by the genetic makeup. And the reasons for that, I'm not sure, because I'm not sure because people start saying that, you know, they want to save the world and all that. I yeah. do know, you know, I, I don't know if you know Captain Rabbit Solis and the, the Montana Missile Range incident where uh, the little red ships came on the radar and they saw mm-hmm. And they shut off mm-hmm. the news. And to me, yes. that was the first I've, I've news report. Yes. Do you remember
1: that? Yes, yes, I do. do
0: you, I remember when it was on the news. So that had to be the 70s. Yes. I remember thinking then, because my whole, uh, I know a lot of experiences, they, they compartmentalize things. So I mm-hmm. kind of put it in a little box, and I was thinking, maybe there are aliens. You know what I mean? Yes, sure. Like, I, I put sure. it in that box, because it was military, because it was acknowledged and everything else. And but once you uh, have radar
1: involved in things, it gets pretty scientific.
0: It's very scientific, so that's what i that's what I think it is, but other people believe that it is religious experiences and that it's uh it is mixed in with enlightenment and they have positive experiences but I, these I have people a sound where, like where, they were terrified. go ahead yeah
1: oh absolutely. I have a section where Lee uh where is uh hypnotized by Dr Anixter and he asks her just that. So maybe I could just uh, read a short section.
0: Yeah.
1: Elise, do you have any idea what these beings want or why they're here? That's from the psychiatrist. It was macabre watching as Elise sprang up in her chair, suddenly animated and alert. Her voice, rather than soft and emotional, took on a new cadence that was clipped and direct, very unlike her. Quote, they want to make contact with the population. Tom and I are specimens imperfect like the human race when we're ready to communicate with them face to face then possibly the world will be too they have to study our reactions so they know how to approach us they don't have emotions like ours so they need us to teach them they need to understand humans do you have any sense as to who they are and where they come from the doctor repeated there are five galaxies theirs is the next closest In order for all five galaxies to work together one day, they have to start, and they're starting with us, so we'll be united galaxies, unquote. What else do you know, Annixter asked, feeling as if he was in contact with someone other than Elise. Quote, I know where the universe ends, she said, rattling the words off in staccato fashion, like rounds from a machine gun. Is that something you can put into words? Now there was no denying something incredible was happening, quote, our universe ends where theirs begins. Our universe ends when all its matter stops mattering to us and starts mattering to them, unquote. Everyone in the room looked to one another stunned at what they heard and what they were seeing. For now sitting on the edge of the out-of-date cushioned armchair sat Elise Gifford, her body rigid and vibrating with newfound energy. Wow. I know. It's like amazing, <laughs> because, it really it's amazing you because
0: I had a little insight one time and it was I I felt like it was a spiritual experience that didn't have anything to do with aliens uh because I've had a lot of spiritual experiences too but this one was that all of our universe would sit like in God's shoe that it didn't have mm-hmm. an end and that I didn't think people were ready for a concept like that that there's another whole beyond the darkness and the all the galaxies and the stars that we see, there's another brighter heaven out there.
1: Well, I should sure like to think so.
0: <laughs> where all the
1: <laughs> Where all the
0: angels reside and uh I don't think aliens are over there. But anyway Hey, hey both, uh, both you and I
1: know both you and I know after dealing with federal prisoners, you hope there's a bright, shiny place somewhere, right?
0: <laughs> well, you know, I think my prisoners are doing good. They, what I, they do is they go through uh, the drug and alcohol program, and then they come to me uh, yeah. for just they get a year off. So they come to me for counseling as they transition oh, back to the community. So that's what, that's what I do. Sure. I'm over there, well, you know, like anything
1: over, else, there, there's, there's – there's, uh, there's good guys that just go wrong, and then there's just bad guys.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because they even talk about the bad guys—the the people yeah, sure. that actually uh, should stay in there, and uh, yeah, they belong there, and uh, you know, because they don't want them out. You know, but sure. mine are mine are federal, so you know, it's kind of different than mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of murderers from state or something like that. It's all—it's like all a different thing, so.
1: Minor yeah, sure. like
0: high high profile things and all that.
1: I see. Well, I I'm, my own view is that probably uh, 70% of the people in prison are there because, I don't know, they're misguided, you know, they're not necessarily evil people or something like that, you know?
0: Right, I agree. Misguided. yeah. Well, now that there's so many people in prison, like one in every family of the United States, it seems like, so uh, something's going on. Yeah,
1: I, don't I, know, think, I think
0: so. Uh, I think... I think drugs and alcohol have a lot to do with it. That's what I think. That, uh, and, and,
1: and you know, another thing, one of the reasons, one of the reasons I think that um, people are so interested in uh, the the UFO phenomenon and alien abductions and whatnot, is because yeah. uh, it, it gives a view. I, I call it a crack in the wall. You know, a crack in the wall where you can just see through into a bigger a bigger reality, a much larger reality than the one we see or know.
0: It is. It's amazing. It's actually so broad that your imagination and your uh, creativity could just go, and it's expansive, you know. And what What happens is that um, when people are going through this, like I can imagine the people that you've written about, is that mm-hmm. they start getting in their own little personal box, and they have – because people – you have to live. You have to work every day, and you can't That's really right. bring – this abduction thing into your everyday job in existence. Uh,
1: and existence. Absolutely.
0: Go ahead. So and, they have to and that's somehow why, and, and, and,
1: Exactly. And I, I think that's where, I mean, look, I, there are people that are going to be hoaxers and whatnot any, in anything, you know, in anything. But if you take somebody that's got a good job, if you take somebody – a man who has a good job and a woman who has children and a family and a lot to lose, you know, a mortgage, a house, a career, whatever. Why on earth, <laughs> you know, why on earth would they make stories up about aliens or alien abduction if they didn't really feel it, believe it, and think it was important? You know, they just wouldn't make things up like that because there's no, no percentage in it. There's no payoff
0: to no. it,
1: but there's a lot of downside.
0: That's an excellent point because, it, it, plus, the stories are so unusual that, uh, I don't it, it's just, uh, some of it's so odd that I have some, sometimes I come up with some odd stories, but I have a best friend that gets abducted with me, and she's a NASA trained, uh, rocket scientist actually
1: <laughs> uh-huh if you only knew
0: if you only knew us before we got into the work life kind of world you know what i mean uh-huh we were we were partiers so we used to chalk a lot of this up to tequila we really we really thought why not okay we're we're drunk and uh, we're having all these weird experiences but it's because we're drunk and then we we both uh i turned out to do what i do and then uh, be a forensic uh, counselor, and she ended up being NASA trained. She works on the satellites and the rockets and all that.
1: Isn't that amazing? And, uh, <laughs> it
0: is, and it's amazing because we'll just, we laugh at each other, like we'll go out to coffee or dinner, something, we start laughing because we've been friends for 40 years now, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah, since we are teenagers. So, so we have had a lot of experiences together. So some of these recent experiences, because it happens today, are very odd. Because yeah. they correlate and say the same thing. I mean, she's yep. wearing a jacket right now that she says is the coloring of the last a couple uh, aliens we saw. The top mm-hmm. of my You know, she shows
1: up I have in a, a description. Jacket of
0: the same color. Go ahead.
1: Amazing. I, I have a description, and, and tell me what you think, because you know, because again, you, you've had these experiences. Uh, I'll read one of the uh, one of the descriptions, because there several beings that they describe. So here's one, okay. It was four weeks later, so this is after the experience, uh, in the dead of early morning that the dreams recurred with an intensity unlike any of the others. In this, Tom saw himself once again back in the camper, trapped and screaming, while the illuminated creatures encircled him. He was screaming, but there was no sound. And then he saw a flashing image. It was of a long, narrow tunnel with lights running along the sides. But then it was gone again, and then he saw a being who was all white, the color of the tunnel lights. Again, he saw a flashing image, and it was of several beings like that. They were trying to restrain him. Then the vision was gone, and only the first figure remained. The being is four feet tall. He wears a white, luminous uniform with an upturned arrow on the chest. He has no facial features, no mouth or lips, only slits. He passes directly through the wall. He stands behind the headboard. He stays there, passes three long fingers over Elise's face. Over and over, Tom can see the hand. He opens his eyes, and directly above him is the face of the white being. You're dreaming, he hears the voice say. Then he looks to Elise's face and sees the burn marks its fingers have left. Hey, wait a minute, Tom says aloud. This is no dream. He turns to Elise and gasped. He was awake. He knew he was awake, and, and Elise had the burn marks all over her face. What do you it's, make of that it's description? scary.
0: It, okay, this is this is very, you know, scary to hear because uh I have I had totally forgotten about this but I, I found one of my diaries when I was moving from ninety six and I just was re- reading it and thinking, Oh man, I forgot all about all this and I came to a page that said I was wide awake watching T V and I saw five milky white aliens come through the wall. They started coming through the wall. I couldn't see any features but their eyes, and they looked like they had uniforms on, and their Isn't skin was like milky white, opal. You know, like you know what opalescence looks like. You know, it has that yeah. sort of yeah. If they look like that, and they had kind of a rough texture-looking skin, but they were they were milky white. And when I read it, I went, Oh my God! How could I forget seeing them when they noticed that I was staring right at them and I was like, this was in the dark. So I, I was trying to, uh, what was I trying to do? I was trying to turn on the light, but I didn't want to turn my back on them. So I think I was (laughs) trying to turn on the TV or do something without turning my back. And when they saw it, when they came in, they kind of floated through the wall and they were extremely intensely looking at everything. Like they were looking like all of the furniture and they just quickly was was looking as much as they could see. But their eyes were, we're not like eyeballs, like the black ones everybody says, or I've seen bug eyes that I think are bugs, you know, big black eyes. Mm-hmm. These were like yep. sunken in, not really good, clear facial features. And then when they saw that I was trying to do something, like I was looking to either throw something or, or I don't know, something. And then they started backing right up, but it looked like they were traveling through water. Like our atmosphere was like, it was, it was totally stunning That's when strange. I read it. I went, how could you put that out of your mind? I think <laughs> you really? get so traumatized, you know, what usually when I'm in a group and we're talking about this, so the uh, director will say, well, what did you do? Well, most of us will say, well, we covered our blankets up over our head and went to sleep.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know what I mean? That's your answer. You, let's say, you know, Count Dracula's there. Well, you can't do anything. Just cover your head up. It's just like yeah. a little responsive kid would do. Yeah, sure. It's just bizarre.
1: It is. But, you know, people's reactions are, uh, I mean, first of all, you're so vulnerable. It's the middle of yeah. the night. I mean, you're you know, you're probably uh, in a sleeping gown or maybe, uh, you know, a guy might be in a, a pair of jogging right. shorts or something. So, I mean, you're yeah. really vulnerable. And you've just awakened. I mean, it's, uh, it's a very, I mean, there's, what could be more frightening? If you, as a matter of fact, what could be more frightening, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's well, I personally don't like it. I know some people are welcoming, you know, because they think that they're going to ele- elevate somebody to a higher consciousness. But my uh-huh. problem is, and why are they sneaking around?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, why no, no actually, like this is not tonight? a good experience. These, these people no. could not come away and say this was just fine. It wasn't just fine. I have a description of the craft. Would you like to hear that?
0: Oh please. Oh yeah. I just
1: did cuz I think this detail, do you know I I is
0: uh, amazing.
1: Yeah. The Mojave incident is is a is, is a story that I, I really think is different because of the detail. So here's what he says. So th- this is in the back of the camper. Um uh, what is it? She asked, "What's wrong?" She looked up to him, he stared over her shoulder wordlessly. His eyes glistening is His glistening eyes were fixed and dazed. Are you all right? She fretted, turning her head to see it. It, the spacecraft, huge, descending from out of the dense cloud. The object literally capped the valley, then stopped, hovering perhaps 100 yards above the desert floor. The craft was larger than anything they ever imagined could fly, more than a football field in diameter, and shaped like a disc with an elevated dome that rose up from its center. It was encircled by brilliant white light flashing in what appeared to be coordinated, coded rhythms. Together they watched in awe, stunned as the huge craft shot a probe, perhaps 200 feet in diameter down to the ground, then began transporting objects both into and out of the spacecraft. From the disc's underbelly hung six smaller units the size of helicopters and designed like miniature versions of the mother craft that suddenly became visible. All of this was happening right before their eyes, and it was overwhelming. Do you see it too? Tom asked at last, yes. So one by one they start talking about, do you see this? Do you see that? And usually these are recovered experiences, but eight hours of this, two people, conscious. So that's very, very unusual.
0: It is very unusual because... uh, usually it comes in dreams or you're in an altered state that allows you to stay somewhat relaxed, I guess, you know, uh, or else there'd be a lot more violence going on and fighting and stuff like that. But uh, do they believe that they're chosen for this or
1: they they have, think there's a purpose that, um, behind Yes. They, they think that, um, that, that slowly but surely, They're they're um, indoctrinating with with the shows that you see, with the alien abduction stories that you hear, with the space uh, telescope and the 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 various uh, the various space probes that we put out. But but little by little, gradually and more gradually, the idea of these worlds meeting will not seem so terrifying. And so they're studying humans, average humans, their emotions their experiences, how they react to children, how they react to, uh, to murder, how they react to uh, a death in the family, how they react to a birth, how they react to exaltation if they're a football player and make a touchdown. So these were all the things that, that, that were being, like with a syringe, taken from their minds. So they were reliving the most dramatic and terrifying experiences of their lives Surrounded by these illuminated beings with bulging eyes that are just staring at them from outside the camper.
0: Did were there any inquiries to uh, their thoughts on religion? where they asked questions along the lines of spirituality?
1: Well, you know, I, you know, really, uh, and this is, you know, I, I have tapes, and I, you know, I spent many hours yeah. so, with this couple. Their first cut at it was, uh, was what it was, you know, which is usually as, as a, you know, working in law enforcement and whatnot, you would know that the first impressions are the one a, a cop wants. You know, you mm-hmm. don't want an, somebody to tell you about something that happened three weeks ago. You, you would like them right. to tell you about, about it then. And their first experience, uh, their first reaction to the experience was it was the UFO. These were aliens and, you know, they were abducted, um, uh, They were taken into the craft. They didn't know that until they had this recovered time that they were tortured, mentally tortured, physically tortured, and, um, and that they thought they were going to die. They thought they were going to go insane. And once they were brought to that level, a kind of fog would come into the, into the camper, like a, an uh, something to anesthetize them so that their breathing would slow and they wouldn't have heart attacks. And, um, that was their first thing. it Was an alien encounter. As time went on, and this probably you know had something to do with, again, looking at it differently from a from a religious perspective. Uh, right. They, they they saw more religious overtones to it than than at first. Except that this comforter that I mentioned to you, this yeah, this so angelic sort of being, that all yeah. that was always part of their story and a key element of their story that was like saved them. They they felt. Like a Marian visitation, sort
0: of. That's incredible, because my friend Christopher Bledsoe, I don't know if you know him or not, but I don't. he says... "This You do?
1: I, I know I do not.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, you would love talking to this guy, but he's. Uh, he said that he felt that it was the helper that he got help was from the Blessed Mother. He did feel that
1: it was uh, Mary. Isn't that something? Because that's just what they would say. They, you know, it, I think the Blessed Mother is a, probably a Catholic uh, Catholic um, image and a Catholic way of viewing things. But they didn't use that term. They called her a comforter, but it was definitely feminine, and it was definitely this swirling, beautiful presence that had a tremendous calming effect on, on these creatures and everything that went on in that valley that night.
0: So it even had a calming effect on the creatures that were doing this whole... Yes. Uh, scientific experimentation
1: yep you see while they were they, they were, uh, uh, I, I should list this for you so you know maybe uh, maybe it, it means more yes. right at the verge of the camper they were held he had a gun but he couldn't shoot it so there's Indian style sitting in the back of this camper they're surrounded by these illuminated figures and I have a description of them I can read to you later but let's say they're 5 feet in height totally illuminated large eyes and these are the ones that are clearly involved in the telepathy and the the mental torture outside of the, the camper on you know so they can't get out where the tailgate is. there are two sort of electrified holograms, and every time they move forward if 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 Tom Gifford moved forward to get out, they would move forward toward him, and they were electrified so he'd get a shock, so he had to stay in the camper in the meantime. Prowling around are these thousands of these red-eyed creatures that they called gremlins. They're like dwarfish creatures, uh, imps almost, frolicking, running and you know, running around, uh, malevolent, malevolent like mm-hmm. the eyes of a baboon but red, and uh, leather-type faces and uh, clearly oh, diabolical. Then, uh, then on this last presence, uh, which was the one I, I described, this sort of angelic mm-hmm. presence. So it it really is like a like a window into another dimension, something yeah. where a whole other world is exposed to. Not just not just something comes from a wall and you see it. This is like the curtain came back came open, and all of a sudden you see a different world.
0: You know, this is just has such a ring of truth to it. You know, and I'm really uh, glad you brought this story forth because. It helps the rest of us that have had this experience. Uh one time uh I I had a dream about this lady. Now this lady looked like a teacher straight out of the fifties. You know, they had the mm-hmm. the uh, we used to call it a page boy under hairdo as things curls under and she was like in a brown uh outfit. She could have been alien too for all I know. But anyway, she had those brown pointy shoes so that teachers used to wear I guess mm-hmm. back in the fifties. But anyway uh, then uh, she walked me up to this door, and she turned around. She looked at me. and She said, "Now, I'm going to open this door," and she was telling me, "Get get ready for what you're about to see." Uh-huh. And she opened the door, and uh, what I saw is there's no words for me to even say what I saw because how do you mean? All... Okay, now that's what's so strange is that. It look. I don't know if you know the uh, artist Kandinsky that has all these little strange shapes. I do. And, and yeah. yeah. So to me, it looked like a very intense Kandinsky painting, and that all rules of gravity or let's say if you have a word, you know how a word has syllables. All no, none of those rules are counted there. Gravity, nor there was no word to say up or down or color or scent or everything was so bizarre that I could not mm-hmm. repeat it except for I thought of that painting. It was I like lines and shapes. and But it all meant something. I think it could be... I don't know, because no no rules that are here apply here. Isn't that something? They apply there. I know. So I think just by showing it to me, she was showing me a little glimpse into just how weird it can get. You know, so Absolutely. when you're saying... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So I think that was the reason for to be shown something like that. Because I've been shown a lot of stuff, but that was one of uh, the oddest things because there's no words for it here, but I can still see it in my mind. I can see it clearly. I just no, can't That's really wild.
1: It's it a, a really great description, by the way.
0: Oh, okay, good. Because uh, you, you know, how do you talk about something if when there's no words in the English language that I can tell you? No to describe I, I, it, because it's, uh-huh. the rules
1: are off. That's great. Uh, very well said. Okay. You know, uh, I think what uh, what happened with the Giffords, too, is afterwards they, they just lived in dread. So yes. this is what, uh, what Tom Gifford says. Do you know what it's like to want to protect your family every day and every night and know that you can't even protect yourself? Because whether you see them or not, you can feel them. And it's like they live inside you, inside your brain, and they can do whatever they want, when they want, and not, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Isn't that, you know, that that feeling, that well, uneasy yes. feeling?
0: The frustration of, well, uh, oddly enough, uh, when I was with my husband, and we've been married now 27 years, but we've been estranged the last five, six years, but anyway, I would be—I was being abducted, and I would be clinging to my husband who was laying there like he was dead. I mean, literally he had mm-hmm. his hands on his chest, frozen, and I would be mm-hmm. hanging on him as they were dragging me away. And I'd be so infuriated that he ne- didn't wake up and then didn't protect me. And then what was he doing there? Why wasn't he waking up or moving? And I would be angry, like help me. And I wonder yeah. if that affected him. Or, or he was aware of this going He says he wasn't aware of it going on. But he did see a, a couple other things that he interpreted as spirits below. He thought he saw yeah. an angel standing over me one time.
1: Well, when that's I was not all sleeping. bad.
0: No, that's not bad. <laughs> he, did, he said, well, <laughs> it the only issue was that the, the angel was so huge that he was standing, you know, through the roof. And it was weird because I had fallen asleep on my back. And I, I felt like there was an evil presence, so I started praying in my sleep. I wasn't even awake, because I was, like, praying something? and saying the Trinity and all this. And he said oh. he had, had fallen asleep on the couch, and he walked in, I guess, to check on me, and there was this huge angel that was so tall, he couldn't see his shoulders that were going through the roof, standing over oh, but, me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what he said.
1: But, but isn't it interesting that, in a way, we wind up coming back to kind of religious images again?
0: I know. You cause know? It, I, I wonder how it's you know the mix of it all. It's, it's. I think this is very strange to scientists that we that face uh, uh-huh, something like this, and I think this is what irritates them. Is that because yeah. we'll put in a religious overtone to some of our not all of them because mostly mine have been scientific, but I've had some yep. religious experiences. That I, okay, so I'll tell you one. I had mm-hmm. a dream that they they put me in this room, and this guy looked like a typical older male kind of in normal clothing, but he looked military and he had gray hair. And uh-huh. he was looking at me, and he said, okay, see all these blocks and all this, these items? He said, make this into something meaningful. Uh, meaningful. And mm-hmm. I, he meant church. Sure. So I set it up because I'm Greek Orthodox. I set it up like a Greek Orthodox church, and every church you see the same thing: the pews, the uh-huh. chandeliers, the the screen up in front. And when I sit, and the cantors over to the right, you know, you could just set it up. Any any Orthodox person can set up a church because it all looks uh-huh. the same. And they looked at me just quizzically, like, "What the?" Why did you put it like that? Because <laughs> he didn't know because that's what the church to me looks like. It sure. kind of shocked him. And well, and his his surprise, kind of made me look at him like what?
1: But yeah, but and that's then, very fascinating because it, what it tells you is that people interpret things according to their background. Exactly. So, so if, and for example, it, it kind
0: of threw him off.
1: Yeah. So I don't know that that there is a religious overtone. I just think these. These images have a practical use when you're talking about things like this. How else would you describe this this being that I talked about at the end of the Mojave incident, where where this angelic yes. presence? I mean, you have to talk about a, a, a Marian visitation. You have to talk about an angelic presence. Otherwise, what words do you have?
0: That's exactly what that's the vocabulary is the difficult part because you're explaining yeah. something. It's so extraordinary. Now, one time they did show me because I never ever felt that they had spirituality or religion or felt anything or all that. That mm-hmm. they were curious about us because we have all these emotions and plus we're very unpredictable how we react to things. No one person is going to react the same to the same image. We just don't.
1: Pretty true. You know, right? we we'll think
0: yeah. So we're just so odd and unique. But anyway, so this is this scenario was they were showing me uh, the end of the world. So mm-hmm. it was like fire and destruction and everything, but we're kind of on a mountain. And then they said, we want you to see something. And I went, okay. So we're kind of having a, some semi-friendly conversation. And they showed me a thing that was about, let me see, it was kind of triangular but kind of thick, brown leather looking thing. It was like mm-hmm. at least two and a half inches thick. And it looked mm-hmm. ancient, like as if whatever it was made out of was thousand years old and it looked kind of like brown, old brown leather now and it had all these Mm -hmm. little objects metal objects and symbols on top of it that were raised up for another like half inch and Mm -hmm. when I looked at it they were trying to show me their religion that it goes back farther and farther and farther than ours Mm -hmm. that they had to carry this symbol around and I looked at it and when I'm not ready to look at that I just turned my head
1: because
0: I don't Mm -hmm. know if I wanted to acknowledge that they couldn't even have a religion older than ours or something
1: uh huh. Uh huh. Well, you know, I came across a quote. You, you know, the writer Norman Mailer goes back yes, from of the course. yeah. So here's a quote that he had that I thought had some application. Now, you, I mentioned to you about this angelic presence. I mentioned to you about these gremlins and these illuminated beings, and that this wasn't a pleasant experience at all. That these, these people were basically tortured and tormented. So this is the quote: the devil might be a presence from another universe. That wishes to take over our universe we might be fighting an implacable enemy out there and the devil might be the agent of that implacable enemy with God as the tired general fighting that war with his own agents of hope and an wow. interesting quote
0: very interesting it's weird that Norman Mailer would say something like that
1: <laughs> well you know as he got older he, I wouldn't say that uh, you know and I wouldn't say I'm not a religious fellow but I'm a spiritual fellow and I think right. Norman Mailer as he got older who was probably you know a borderline atheist or whatever by the time he hit a certain age I think he he became a much more spiritual uh, fellow who 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 put aside reporting which is what he did so well and moved into uh the bigger picture things
0: that really matter because I yeah, think in the at end, the sure. end you start thinking about what really matters, and you want to make best use of whatever the gifts you've been given or the tools you've been given. And I'm glad I'm glad you said that.
1: You know, because it's yeah, very I, I, I unusual. It, was really, it, it captured something, you know.
0: It does, especially those little gremlins. I I I see the some of these beings because they all look different as mm-hmm. ants and bugs. Or hummingbirds, uh-huh. like Martin Six- uh-huh. sexoids and all that, and they're saying those were like little, a lower power things, and there were thousands of them. Is that what they said? Yep,
1: that's right. Yeah, as a matter of fact, they thought it was a Russian invasion invasion at first. So I, mean, I actually, I, I don't invasion? know if you, if you, if you, yeah, because when these things start dropping down, you know, they think uh, they they think it's a war. Yes, so
0: you're actually trying to find an answer in your mind. Yeah, go ahead. That's
1: exactly, exactly what you're saying. You have to try to look at something that's unbelievable and try to make sense of it. So what do you say? It's the end of the world. Or the atom bomb has gone off and, you know, the Russians are invading. You know, just hysteria. So here's here's what they say. Together they sat holding each other, too frightened to move. This is initially in back of the camper. Too frightened until it began. Slowly at first, like parachutes floating, free-falling downward so gracefully, so easily, that it seemed indiscernible at first. So they stared, captivated by the prospects as dozens, no hundreds of the glowing white objects, traveled like falling stars down and across the black onyx sky. Subtle, graceful, beautiful in their way, the round, shining orbs were descending upon them. The valley was, in fact, being invaded. Oh, my God, screamed, screamed Elise. It's the Russians. The Russians are invading. No, no, Tom comforted, scrambling to his feet. It can't be. It blank can't be, he repeated, then began kicking out the campfire. Get in the truck, he screamed to Elise finally. I'll put out the fire so they won't see us. She hesitated. He shoved her. Get in the truck. The lights were landing now, Tom observed, landing all over the valley. The lights were landing. His frantic mind pro- proceeded. Uh, processed, and coming toward them. With the campfire decimated, Tom grabbed Elise, who just sat there staring and jerked her to her feet. They're coming to get us, she muttered, entranced. There's no road, no road out there, Tom said, as much to himself as to her, but they're still coming at us. So he has a 12-gauge shotgun and a a 7-millimeter Browning rifle. He's going to start shooting at them, but then they have this telepathic, this, you know, if you, if you try to shoot, we're going to kill you. Get in the back of the camper now. And these things are invading. And the things with the, the red eyes that, that start mm-hmm. charging at them uh, are these, these smaller beings, that, uh, the malevolent beings. But these illuminated ones that surrounded the camper, who played awful telepathic games with their minds uh, to em- evoke emotion, etc., uh, were equally cruel. Out of out of anyway, it was the last being. This 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 angelic presence was the only one that wasn't scientific or wasn't demonic. So go figure.
0: Oh God! I asked, I, I asked house house him gun. too.
1: If you if you feeling. shot your if you shot your gun at the large craft above you, what would happen? He goes, it was solid. He goes, I th- I have a feeling the, the 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 bullet would have just been enveloped by it. It would have been swallowed by it, but it was solid. And uh, he he goes, once they're hypnotized, they find out some real experiences, detailed experiences while they're on the craft, what the inside of the craft looks like, et cetera, Uh, which is, you know, just, just, again, stunning detail.
0: Wow. You know, this has such a ring of truth to it. You know, it just gives me chills all the way through. And uh, this couple, do they give interviews or are they talking or are they just undercover
1: uh, they um i I think you know I think they uh had a a couple of bad experiences even even you know even with their parents, I mean their parents were very nice oh, yeah. people and loved them and all like that but it's it's difficult for people to get their head around this something like this and uh I think you know from their standpoint uh the story was told it is told it's uh in great detail, they were hypnotized, they were studied by psychiatrists, they were studied by medical doctors, so they went through a lot. And uh, at this stage of the game, you know, the fellow has a, a good job. His wife has a good job. They did, They just, uh, you know, I, I just don't think they want to uh, jeopardize their, their family. And, they, and by the way, they mm-hmm. have a, a number of children as well. So some grown, some still small. You know, it gets dicey. It gets yeah. dicey when you affect the lives of others. If I wanted to come out, let's say, I don't know, let's say that uh, uh, you did something terrible. Well, you can say I'm brave enough to tell the world I did something terrible, but then you have to say, "Well, I have a four-year-old kid and I have an eight-year-old kid." And I, see what I mean? Yeah. How does my my revelation affect them, and and how does it, you know, how do they fare through this? And I think those are the considerations that that get a lot more complicated.
0: Well, of course and uh what I felt like since I was compartmentalized everything, that I got actually help when I wrote to Harvard and I wrote a letter mm-hmm. to jo- Dr. John Mac I thought, you know, if I'm listening oh, sure. up, I need I need really good help. So I wrote Doctor Mac and he yeah. And he wrote me back and he said, I believe you and if you were here in Boston, which is weird because I was born in Boston and he said if mm-hmm. you were here uh I would take you immediately, he said, but he referred me to Yvonne Smith out here, so I've been going there the last twenty three years. So it's right. Well group, actually look uh, at what life, happened to John Mack.
1: People.
0: I John know, Mack, who is I a, know. A it's a brilliant, so brilliant scientist
1: came came out and said that he believed the alien abduction, believed you know, that, that this was a, a real and true phenomenon. And again a Harvard professor and, and a, 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 a you know a magnificent mind. You know somebody that yes. was considered one of the foremost and in human beings, me- just an
0: awesome human being.
1: But he he was really uh, taken through the ringer about that book.
0: He really was, but, of, he, but they but he did not. They didn't kick him out, which is weird because no. that's where I found him at Harvard. But yeah, it's yeah. so odd that what ultimately took his life, and some people do say it's a conspiracy, that he was hit by a mm-hmm. drunk driver while he was uh, overseas in uh, England. Oh, I didn't know that. So that's how he passed. Yeah, they, he was hit by a drunk driver. I mean, a lot of these people that really are brought, bring so much comfort to others actually meet with an early demise. It seems like.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it, it took a lot of courage for a man like that. It took to a do lot that. of courage. Be, yeah, because I, I know I, mean, I know for a fact that uh, I just read reviews and articles, and I mean some some scientists uh, sort of nodded at it, but others were really vicious in their attacks.
0: They were. And, you know, he actually even went on TV. He just was naturally relaxed. He never looked uh, – I don't know. He had such a good uh, presence and persona. Mm-hmm. I really looked up to the man, you know. I could depend on yep. what he was saying. And he was sure. always so calm and helpful to others. And he was kind. No matter uh-huh. what anybody was saying, he wasn't laughing at them. He just was, he was actually, yeah. to me, more scientific than the scientists that woohoo everything.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I
0: wonder if you have witnesses, like you okay, your book isn't describing witnesses, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, first hand experienced people. That's in a court of law. Doesn't that count?
1: Yeah, witnesses? exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? I do. So, But I why do.
0: do we get brushed aside as witnesses? Like, what do they want? Do they want an alien? I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I yeah. I think they're very advanced. I don't think they're going to leave one of those behind. You know, they're going to take Agreed. everybody and every everything that, that shows anything. They're taking it with right. them because they can come and go at will. Why would they leave something behind like they had to leave it behind, like for when they're what? traveling interdimensionally anyway? Or whatever, sure.
1: Well, the other thing is, it, what, what would they leave behind? Let's just say, for example, that we're like a schools of fish in the ocean, and above that ocean, there's a, a whole existence, and occasionally they meet. But what would that school of fish know about a, a fisherman or a boat, or see you know what I mean? It's just so out out of their realm of understanding. It could well be that that a more sophisticated race of beings. To us, we we wouldn't be able to comprehend what they were doing or why they were doing it or no. what they were doing it with.
0: And you I think, it's a, yeah, that's a profound uh, way to put it because I think when they do show themselves, it's intentional and with purpose.
1: Exactly. And that that's really, I mean, uh, what Elise Gifford said, you know, under hypnosis, I, I think, about, you know, when 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 things start stop mattering to us and start mattering to them and you wonder yeah. if that means you know in other words we're on the verge of destroying the world or whatever that's when they it matters to them that's when we matter to them and uh, what the relationship is i don't know but but maybe um maybe we're some sort of offspring you know
0: now some people believe that because uh, our genetic makeup is so odd, and I do know some people believe that. Okay, since we describe the aliens as uh, gremlins, ants, bugs, dogs, cats, everything else, that people believe that that's that's what they're made out of. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. You
0: know that they're not aliens at all; that they're actually. Part of what we have. That's why we keep describing them in these certain ways.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's that's true. Actually, I I, I heard a, a good quote uh, somewhere or another, and it was that when we discover life on another planet, besides biological life, I mean, you know, amoebas or something of that nature, molecular life, but real creatures, real living creatures, we're going to be amazed at how similar they are to us in terms of uh, construction.
0: Yes. Well, it's like is so, a great know, maybe, mind and the creator at work is what I think, and then no, Well, I think, I,
1: again, okay. Again, going back to the the, the the religious thing, which is not something I want to hit on all all that hard, but made in the image and likeness of the creator. Yeah. Maybe we're made in the image and likeness of some creator,
0: and so are they.
1: Yep.
0: Or maybe it's a different aspect, or. I don't know. Okay. Uh, If you want to call in tonight, 619-924-9744 and ask our guests some questions, you're welcome to, but when you call in, press line one so that I know you're going to ask a question because I see people are on hold, but I think you're just listening because you didn't press one. So press one or just stay on hold. So I'll leave you alone if you stay on hold, but if you press one, you can call in and ask a question. Okay. I think I made myself clear. Anyway, <laughs> I get you because poor people are just sitting there on their phone. They're listening, and then they could be shopping, and then they accidentally press one. Then I'm asking, you know, i them on the air to come on. <laughs> they're <laughs> not raised. They're they going to shock. Anyway, so if you want to call in and ask our guest tonight a question, six one nine nine two four nine seven four four. So, it's uh, the okay. So when they were doing the what they called as torture. Do you feel, uh, or do they feel too, that this was more of an experimentation, like a test?
1: Yep. As a matter of fact, yeah. I, I there. You know, there was a uh, a chilling moment during the hypnotic session uh, that maybe I could I could read to you. Yes, please. All right. So uh, this is from uh, Tom. Doctor Anderson spoke in a calm, soothing tone. It's all right. No one's going to hurt you. What happens now? Tom continued speaking rapidly, fearfully. There's one big round light in the center, staring down at me. I'm laying on my back, restrained by my arms and legs. This is on the craft. Up and seeing the outline of the people or beings looking down on top of me. Tom's eyes closed, then shut more tightly. The light is so bright it's hard to see. But I'm with them, fighting. There's an examination probe with an instrument. Go on. I never talked about it. It's okay to talk. Tell me, what is it you've never talked about? They insert it in my body cavity. I remember fighting. It hurts. Pain. The lower stomach. He flails his arms in the air. I'm telling them to stop. Does it stop? Yeah, it stops. His head lowers. I want to go home. I want to see my kids again. Dr. Annixter was pensive as he let the past 60 minutes settle in his mind. Then he heard Elise murmur. Seems like all that bright light would hurt your eyes. Isn't this amazing? It would hurt your eyes. What did you say? He asked urgently. Seems like the lights would hurt your eyes, but they don't. Are you alone, Elise? Except for the white being. Then what? He prodded. Then into the room with the silver table. That same light as in the hallway and one big round white light. How did you get on the table? It lowers. I sat on it and laid down. No pillow, no blanket, and it didn't hurt. How do you know what to do? I knew. I knew. He can tell me with his mind. No words. He puts ideas in my head. Is he communicating with you now? He can if he wants. Are you being watched now? Elise's head was angled toward the ceiling, as before, eyes closed, still directed at a solitary spot. They know what I'm doing by probes. The three observers in the room, heeding every syllable of what was being said, gasped collectively. Hannixer had done it, broken through at least one of the barriers that separated us humans from them. The doctor spoke slowly. Please explain what you mean by probes. Elise reached up with her right hand, eyes still closed, and began pawing at her neck, the right side, near the juggler. What does that mean? She felt the side of her neck running her fingers along the flesh. I can see you're touching your neck, he told her. What does that mean? Elise continued searching that area of her neck with her fingers as she spoke. That's what they shot into my neck, that time on the table with the silver wand. Annixter paused for a moment as he considered his next question and how to position it. When you say they're watching you by probes, what do you mean? Tracking devices put inside me. That's how they know where I am and how to communicate. How do you know that? I don't know. Is it something you're fairly certain of? Elise's hand had not returned to her side as she continued in her hypnotic state to feel for the device shot deep into her neck that night. Yes, I'm certain, she answered, sadly and without hesitation.
0: So they have tracking devices on her or or actually implants.
1: Yeah. And that's
0: what you're saying. So most of us do believe uh, the same thing, that we do have implants and it's ironic how she would know where they are because uh, every person that I have talked to uh, or heard talk about this implant mm-hmm. question, uh, they all know where they are. So that's mm-hmm. odd to me.
1: Yeah, and that's but this was under hypnosis. Without the hypnosis, she, they didn't have recollections of being on the ship on the mothercraft until they were retrogressed. The rest happened on the ground, and then they were they were uh, taken up. And and actually, uh, Tom literally fought, you know, battled with them.
0: Well, his his nature is to protect, so he is going to fight.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because
0: I have fought with a lot of them, too. So, you know, for my instincts, is, my instinct is to fight, you know, but I'm not going to go down and you're not going to do this, so I fight. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. So I think they uh, perceive me as irrational or something. <laughs>
1: Well, I, well, it's I think all history, the pieces, you know, yeah, sure. But I think all the pieces fit together. If you think about the story, do. I mean, the, the characters, the, 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 the personalities of the people fit to what happened and how they react to it. It's, uh, it's really, it's really quite amazing when you look at the full body of evidence, you know?
0: Well, so I'm so you know glad that you documented this and wrote this book because, uh, a lot of times you know we wish we had written that down, but you went ahead and did it because we really need more stuff like this, more books, more people telling the truth uh I have so many friends that are actually actively working on having uh more disclosure from our government and our presidents and everything else mm-hmm. and uh it's slow it's slow going because once in a while uh we shot our we shoot our own self in the foot like some somebody. somebody that's involved in this would be something really stupid, you know? Yeah. and But you know, a I mean, there's a lot of presidents
1: me. that have had uh, UFO yeah. experiences. Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Uh And I, I wouldn't be surprised. Reagan had a very interesting um, line that it, when he was addressing the UN, which is really like almost science fiction, but he was addressing the UN, speech writer cut it out. Reagan wrote his own speech, but his speech writer, you know, the the guy that would edit his speeches for corrections and, Factual errors and things uh, eliminated this line, and Reagan insisted insisted that it be put back in, and it said that wouldn't it be interesting? You know, here we are in the UN with all these different races and different nationalities and and uh, countries and nationalism, et cetera, and uh, you know sometimes we get along, sometimes we have wars, but what what would it be like if there were an alien invasion one day and a a common enemy or something larger than ourselves came down and visited. Would that bind us all together? Would suddenly race not matter anymore? Would nationality would would nationalism, would things like that go away and bond us against a common enemy or at least a common thought that that uh, there was something much larger than the things we were looking at as important? Which is a kind of profound point, and very unlike Ronald mm. Reagan. But but isn't that a, an incredible statement to make in front of the UN? Well, to talk about an alien uh, invasion.
0: Yeah, because he's really has. Uh, to me, it sounds like he's having an open mind about this, and that uh, he knows very well. Uh, I don't think people really understand uh, Earthlings, or people don't understand Americans either is that because no. we fight each other so much that people just think we're we uh hate each other cuz we act like we'll kill each other off and everything else but you come against us we're like family we're all against you Exactly You know that's why every every nationality like just like the 9 thing happened everybody went to war every nationality yeah. men and women everybody that's went true. to war You know and mm-hmm. it happened in the Vietnam war the same thing people fighting side by side and they put their differences aside because there is no difference. We're all soldiers, and we're all going to fight yeah. you. Know, but you know, but it made me wonder. Go ahead. Go
1: ahead. It made me wonder if I, I knew that Ronald Reagan had had a UFO experience. He was uh, traveling on the presidential jet and and had uh, made note of it, and this was a matter of record. So that's a fact. But when you hear somebody make statements like that about an alien invasion and this big, big vision, let's say, or this big uh, open window to possibilities. You really wonder if a guy like Reagan didn't have some kind of uh some kind of experience like fifteen million other people have in the world. A a, a kind of abduction experience or something like that 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 that, that made him so open minded to those kinds of possibilities.
0: Yeah, because he's very conservative and why would he say a thing like that unless he's already been exposed and to him it wasn't really saying much.
1: Well I, I mean know like, like I, I said, said it's is...
0: once you're an yeah once you're an experiencer it's almost like, well, that's nothing. <laughs> yep.
1: exactly. To, to his but exactly. Uh, but all of his shocked. advisors, all of his advisors, actually cut it over against his will. So over his, Reagan, Reagan wrote it. They cut it out of Reagan's speech because they thought it was embarrassing. And Reagan said, "No, I insist," and insisted that that be reinserted into his speech, which tells you something, I think.
0: It really does, because then, then something very peculiar happened, because Clinton was on a, a talk show, and he said something about this. He said that he had some paperwork or something, some citing or something, but I cannot remember. Even though I watched it, I can't remember. I think he said something that we might, you know, have vi- visitors or something. And I think yeah. Obama didn't say no he was talking to Jimmy Kimball, I think. He didn't oh,
1: really? say no. I, I saw that, as a matter of fact. But yeah. uh, actually, uh, Jimmy Carter actually not only uh, had a UFO experience, but recorded it. He fill, filled out a report for the Air Force.
0: Well, he's said an that's honest person. That's, 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 dub- a, that's a historical
1: thing. fact. Isn't that something? Well,
0: Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of the astronauts that are – and the people that have to do with Roswell and stuff like that are coming out now because they don't have that much time left. I mean, yeah. are that generation's passing, and I think that they would want to get get it off their chest. You know, sure. like to keep this important information away from us is, uh, and plus, how many people are suffering, like the couple you're writing about, that they've had yep. this experience and then nobody believes them, and they're suffering because there's no support out there. There is support, but in a small, uh, in a smaller way. It's not like no, you, you it, it would be it would be
1: very um uh you know uh validating. It would be very validating for uh, for people like that to, to know that uh that you know scientists or, or high level government people, leaders thought that this was not only possible but let's say likely. I think that would be very comforting.
0: It would be comforting because uh uh I have only come out like for the last three years, really, I started doing this show, and I decided. Well, I tried so hard to keep it all in a box. Uh, now I don't. Now I don't care. I care a yeah, tiny sure. bit because I do like earning a living, you know. And I like. <laughs> I like eating. I like being around. <laughs> but I had to yeah. realize that, that the positive powers that be are going to take care of me and carry me, just so I can let everybody say whatever they want. Yeah. You know, yeah. 'cause I I believe that people should be able to say what they want and uh quit uh limiting uh these alternative experiences. You know, and I think people are coming out. Uh oh, I think sex I couldn't marriage agree more. is okay. You know, same sex marriage is illegal now and mm-hmm. you know, pretty soon uh everybody could come out of the box or the closet yeah, or, or I, whatever.
1: I, I think that the, the numbers—I I can't quote them exactly—but I know they're they're high, and I know that there's something like 50% of the population believes that there's not only life on other planets, but that we've been visited by life from other planets. And that's a staggering number. I mean, and I think that's shock. much higher than it was 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago, etc.
0: Okay, since a lot of my friends are experiencers or they were in the movie industries and they're experiencers and all this, I we all believe that there is sort of a kind of a coming to or waking up. You know, that people that have uh just been with the covers on their head are now coming together and waking up because we're support, we're supporting each other. You know, That's so right. we can we we now have a place to go talk and say whatever we want, which is kind of a miracle. You know, sure. and uh, but it's not totally accepted now because there's always those liars and crackpots that'll come up with something really crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and they're but lying. But, but, yeah, but when the numbers get to be so big, you yeah. know, when 15 million people say they've had an alien abduction experience, you could say one person's crazy. You could say a dozen people are crazy. But when you start to get numbers that are so large and... And guys like John Mack, I mean prestigious yeah. scientists from Harvard, who who say this abduction phenomenon is very real and it is what it appears to be. It's not uh, sleep apnea or you know or a paralysis or, or a sleepwalking somnambulism. It's 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 what it appears to be, and uh, you can't ignore those kinds of numbers and those kinds of people, or you can't ignore radar. I mean, no. when radar, when the military is activated because uh, unidentified flying objects, which, you know, doesn't mean they're spacecraft, it just means they're unidentified, but they penetrate a, a radar space, and you send up MiG fighter jets after them, you know, I guess it's real, huh? <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, I, guess it's I real. Think, okay, I think forensically, for a skeptic to sit by and still deny, they're going to come off very stupid when there's a couple of them and then 15 million people just i just saw the Van Gang thing. Yeah, You know, exactly. and they deny it's exactly. there. It's almost like they're the ones that have their head in the sand.
1: Uh, and then, of the course, thing, these pilots that come forward and, and police exactly. officers, and you know, these are not just regular people. These are people that are, have a trained eye, military people. So it, 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 it starts to get to be something that you, even if you're a skeptical person, even if you're a hard-nosed scientist, at some point in time, I think you say, this is at least very interesting, and this at least warrants study.
0: Exactly. Now, on the East Coast, there has been a lot of, of sightings, and there's a lot of interest, especially Whitley Strieber was actually up in uh, upstate New York along Hudson, and uh, I lived there uh, for mm-hmm. a time. And the one that really shocked me the most was uh, the one that uh, – that woman was levitated out of her apartment building, and the whole city was shut down. I think everybody – wasn't the bridge to New Jersey shut down that night? You know that story yes, that yeah, exactly. I'm talking about?
1: I do, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: So I'm that's not the intimately one familiar with
1: it, but uh, I, I, do, I do remember it, and I do uh, remember the, the newspaper clippings, yeah.
0: Yeah. To me, that is one of the ones that uh, shocks me the most. And uh, because there were so many different people, I think there was even everybody from politicians to uh, the people that saw the poor people being levitated out of their house in their nightgowns and their in yeah, yeah. apartment yeah. buildings and all the traffic had been stopped. It's yeah. just, uh, you know, then some people say, no, that's not what happened, but it depends on your point of view, like where you are, where you were parked or whatever, because exactly. it's pretty uh uh, trustworthy well, I, people said it did happen.
1: Well, actually, I saw talk about trustworthy people. Um, you know, the Arizona lights, the famous Phoenix light. Yes. The governor of Arizona was an eyewitness. He he didn't uh, he didn't t- say anything until his political career was over, but he's still a fellow probably in his sixties, I guess, early sixties, maybe 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 mid sixties, something like that. I just can't recall his name, but uh, a prominent you know governor, and uh, actually, I think may have entertained a, a presidential bid, but um, I saw him interviewed about these uh, these um, Phoenix Lights. And he said, you know, I didn't say this before, and I actually was derogatory, and I apologize, to people that stepped forward. And there were hundreds of mm. them that, that witnessed, oh, yeah. this, if not thousands. And he said, I was in a park with my uh, with my son, and uh, it was swings and the, the usual thing. But right around that time, I saw a UFO just like the people described. And he said, I can tell you, again, very similar to Tom Gifford, it was the size of a football field and it floated directly overhead. And he I, like, I didn't want to say anything then. You know, it was governor. I was not in a position to, to make more hysteria than was already existing. But that's a fact. And I watched it for 10 seconds as it went by, and then took off at a tremendous speed. So, I mean, again, you're talking about people that were potential presidential candidates, you know, right. that, that say was- that, that they witnessed this. I mean, I think you've just got to, and by the way, a former Air Force uh, Air Force fellow, I don't know if he was a pilot, but he was in the Air Force, and, um, you know, you, you've just got to give credibility to, to that. I mean, you cannot say this is a, a kook. You can't say this is somebody that, That's hallucinating because thousands of people saw the same thing. So it it really and truly is.
0: Yes, that's why I think it's intentional, revealing itself more and more. And it's hard to miss a football uh, (laughs) field-sized ship.
1: (laughs) <laughs> and that it's flying so low,
0: I think it's That's intentional. Right. And because you know, we could running see around, that. Right? <laughs> yeah, we're, anybody could see it. And so, hey, I'm here and I'm giving you time to absorb this because right away, uh, people are going to shock. Like, I'm sure he went to complete denial. No, this isn't happening. And other people but, took off because mm-hmm. I interviewed one of the guys, Steve. And oh, really? took off and him and his friends and they went over to somebody's house and she was standing outside. Looking at it, it moved from wherever where everybody was seeing it and it moved to another location. So people were asking Jason down in their cars, and I saw him speak in person. God, what's his last name? I'm i so bad at names and everything. But anyway, the first thing is he was out there watching it, and he's a pilot, so he knew he was judging sure. well, how fast is this thing going? How many is this thing? Exactly. You know, and exactly. uh, they kept their heads, but uh, it was quite startling to everybody, and people were scared. I'm sure they ran to their house. They they were. Sure. thinking I think something.
1: they're mesmerized. I mean, it just you know you stand with their jaw jaw dropped. But you know, you make a good point. Uh, you know, uh, the Mojave incident is a uh, the the book that I wrote is about the about the Giffords okay. and about this this eight hour experience conscious twelve uh, another four hours a twelve hour experience in total, but. There was a similar experience, but as you make point out, these things get larger and more visible over time. In the 60s, maybe you remember in Massachusetts, uh, Betty and Barney Hill.
0: Oh, of course.
1: It's, yeah, this was the, it. Was an interracial couple. I think maybe the fellow was a teacher, and uh, I, I don't recall you know if his wife was a homemaker or a career woman. I, I don't recall, but very intelligent people, and, and they they had this story that they were driving. They saw this UFO, and then they looked at their watch, and there was no uh, unaccounted time, uh, eight hours, four hours, whatever it was. And then through hip, hypnoti- uh, they were hypnotized. Maybe it was Bud Hopkins who was involved with that. And they were retrogressed, and they recovered these experiences. So they had the conscious experience just of seeing a UFO, the lights beaming down, and then, then they had this missing time, recovered through hypnosis. If you take the Mojave incident, very similar in the sense that it's progressed to here's an eight hour conscious experience. people pinching themselves in the back of a camper, these beings able to be described in great detail, their experiences being able to be described in great detail the ships what they're doing the the the, the 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 momentum the atmosphere around them, and then four hours additional are recovered on the actual spacecraft. A much larger story than any of the stories I'm aware of. If you take the idea of uh, the people who say, in, in, in let's say, in the Arizona area, the Phoenix Lights, this governor I'd referred to sees a football field-sized craft float overhead and then, you know, at some tremendous amount of speed, dart off. And then compare that to something in the in the 60s or 50s where someone would take a photograph of a UFO, but just a snapshot. It it seems like these experiences get closer and larger and more visible by the decade.
0: Exactly. Well, because we seem to be blind. <laughs> if we see if even with so many, okay, that didn't just happen one time. It happened another time. And my sure. best friend, when I told you about, and her husband were out there, they were going to Texas, and they saw that big black some people say it was looked like a boomerang, some people say yep, exactly. My friend says it was a triangle with lights Fine. on the yeah.
1: edges, mm-hmm. and
0: yep. uh people give different uh impressions of what they saw, but she said what she saw was so black and big it blocked out all the stars. She said you couldn't really see it except for what was blocking out. And then she said the way it left, because I, I remember when she saw it, because she, she called me, and she said the way it left was it seemed like it folded in on itself. So uh-huh. when it folded in, it was almost like those little game you used to play with the paper thing, you know, you fold it down yep. and, and the corners were full. She said it, it was black, jet black. It folded in on itself and then disappeared, because when it right. folded in, you could no longer see it. Exactly. she said that's what she saw. And her husband saw it at the same time and so did all these hundreds of other people saw. The same thing. Sure. But I, think, I yeah. don't know if they call it one of the Texas lights or, or whatever, but it's the same kind of sighting.
1: No, no question. But again, it's bigger than life. It's huge. And it's undeniable. It's, it's something that's in your face, you know. But this is far different. Like uh, the, the the Giffords experience in the Mojave. Oh, what do mean? He says it capped the entire valley. I mean, it was so large, it capped the entire valley.
0: So there's nothing,
1: nobody trying to hide things. Whereas if you look at the original UFO kind of photographs from 56, 58, they're like, you know, they're literally like a saucer, like a dish saucer that's thrown in the air, and and that's what you see a photo of around mountains usually, you know, uh, uh, know, around Mount Everest or the Himalayas or something, in far off places. But now these sightings... Are over Phoenix, Arizona. They're over Buffalo, exactly. New York. You know, they're over Washington D.C. So something, I think something, something monumental is is going on.
0: Yeah. Well, it's that revealing. It's like, you know, we're there's still skeptics even after the big huge thing lands on your front yard. You know, I mean that's I I don't I really don't know what's going to happen with it, but I. I think little by little, they're going to reveal themselves so we don't all just go into shock.
1: And exactly, Elise Gifford really goes into that in quite some detail uh, during the, the, the hypnotic session, some of which I, I read to you. But um, yeah. it, it's a fascinating topic. But you know, sure mm-hmm. if you or I, let's just say, you know, my father's still alive, so this is an easy one. But let's say my father okay. wasn't. Let's say that... <clears throat> I was very close to my father, and he passed away. And I saw a ghost. You know, I was on you know in my living room, uh, reading a book by the fireplace, and my, my the ghost of my father showed up, and uh, we talked. We talked for an hour. Then he vanished. What could you do with that story? Let's just say that really happened. Let's say that that really was a ghost. Let's say that really was my father. So who do I go out and tell? I just saw the ghost of my father. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> do you see what I mean? <laughs> Let's say my wife was in the room with me. Right. And we both went out and said, you know, we just saw the ghost of Ron's father. We talked to him for for an hour. Really? You see what I mean? How do you prove yeah, so that? What do you do? You,
0: well, yeah, it's true. Uh, okay, some peculiar thing happened one time because uh, I had some tests done, uh, and I had a feeling that my, my right leg, I had a problem with it because I was working like 12-hour days and I wasn't coming, well, work more than 12 hours because I would do my job and then go out to El Monte at a distance and cover for uh, one of my co-workers off three months. So I did this. I wasn't coming home until midnight, so I was sitting in the mm-hmm. same area for long periods of time. And they mm-hmm. did a test and my doctor said, Everything came back normal. So the mm-hmm. night before I had another doctor appointment with her, my grandmother showed up. Well, and how she showed up was she was sitting on the end of my bed. Now, if you know what an old-school yaya looks like, you know, they're always in their widow's weeds, and then she had mm-hmm. all the black on from the old country, and she's sitting mm-hmm. on the end of the bed, and it's not what you want to see. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. She she's freaking out. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I went, oh, my God, and she, she's telling me I'm going to die. So I called my best friend and I still started sitting there and I was dying on the phone. I said, you got to come over. My yaya's here and I'm scared. And she said, what are you the hell are you talking about? I said, get over there. She came over here. And I was like, there she is on the bed. She wasn't really there. And I, mm-hmm. I went, what the hell? Anyway, so the I started thinking my grandmother had a very uh, bad leg. And I started thinking hmm. about that. So I went to the doctor the next morning. I asked my uh, doctor, I said, Doctor, uh, what about those tests? She said, well, it came back normal. I actually went over to my chart. I opened it up right to the right page, and it said positive for deep vein thrombosis. I had a blood clot in my leg. And she oh, said, oh, so I have to look in your chart. I said, look, Doctor, it's positive for deep vein. She said, oh, my God, i got to send you to the emergency room. I said, Doctor, you said there was nothing there. She said, well, how did you know? I said, well, my Yaya. It turned out she stayed in Greece, so she understood that I said, Grandma. I said, my yeah. Yaya was there. She said, your grandmother was there? I said, yeah. And she had that, but she was telling me I had a problem in my leg. And, and of course, bad. I had to go on that horrible kumundin and everything else. And I said, Doctor, why do you believe me? Did she believe me? She said, because after my do- dad died, I saw him sitting in his chair every day for 30 days. And I mean. was like, what the heck?
1: Oh, I, I think there are a lot of stories like that. but But, again... How how do you you know how do you prove it you know how do you yeah, prove you something like that you know yeah you don't and so uh, and so I I think to a large degree fortunately again there's videotape and there's eyewitnesses from all over the world fortunately there's radar uh, you know there's pilots that uh, catch it on radar in the air there's, there's exactly. military radar that, so it, it's hard to deny that uh, that clearly there's there's there are UFOs clearly there are UFOs no one would argue that even the most hard-nosed uh, military man or, or, or scientist, there are unidentified flying objects. I mean, the government came to that conclusion themselves with Project That's Blue right. Book. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, Project Blue Book. Um, now, it, yeah,
1: might not be, uh, it might not be 50% or 70%, but if you could say 5 or 7%, after scientists study the hell out of it, <laughs> don't know, can I right. figure out an explanation that... That could possibly fit. Well, I'd say that's a pretty significant number.
0: It's a, it's a quite astronomical. If you had that many uh, witnesses for one person, if you thought they were considered the murderer, that person would be on death row.
1: Get no question about it. You know what I mean?
0: I, I agree I, with you. But, you know, it's true. So you can get uh, get a hold of you by going to www. F. E. L. B. R. Dot com. And uh, your book is available uh, right now. It's coming out in September, so I, I found it on Amazon. You can go to Barnes and Noble, and of course, I think your website, right?
1: Yes, and it'll be in all the all the bookstores. It'll be in bookstores. Uh, I believe it hits the bookshelves September seventh, but uh, it it can be ordered online right now. The Mojave Incident.
0: Is there any movie interest in this? Because this is such a fabulous story. Uh, has anybody? Said anything? Are you open to that?
1: Sure, I I I have a, an agent that uh, that did. Uh, I, I told you I wrote the the Mob Doctor. This a television show yes. based on a book that I wrote. So uh, I have a fellow that uh, you know that if I have something that's of interest to, from a cinematic point of view, and uh, actually he uh, yeah he's, he thinks there'll be some uh, real interest probably from the Sci-Fi Channel or or from uh, maybe a, a production company. So we've talked to some producers about it. We'll see. Right.
0: Yeah. And even, it's only uh, a story
1: that needs to be told. And as a matter of fact, some of the reviews, the most frightening UFO book ever written. That's that's one of the reviews. I know. Now, I saw that. So, yeah, that's a pretty strong statement.
0: It's a very strong statement. So I can hardly wait to get it because I know my friends are posting on my Facebook page that they're, they're all pre-ordering it already. So... Uh well, it's don't uh, I got to get the word out there. I, <laughs> like, did. I did say said thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right because you know we got to to me this is what I'm here for. I'm here to support people that write honest stories about this and uh the topic is uh, never ending interest to me. I never get sure. old and it's a uh, it's and the things are actually getting stranger all the time. You know, before yeah,
1: absolutely it was
0: like these little robots. I remember it was like little round robots, and now we've got so many different uh, and variety of creatures of of people sure. that are are being abducted for whatever reason. And you know, our dread as parents is that it's happening to our kids too. But um, sure. Sure. I think that's part of that genetic component. Uh, did your your people ever say that at the at the part of it they feel that that was the genetic material they were also interested in, or
1: it was they they talked about at least the experiments and, and maybe there are multiple kinds of experiments. One would imagine, you know, scientists uh, we study, you know, animals and things, but it was about emotions. Their their feeling was that that these beings really did not have any comprehension of human emotions. It just was not something that, that uh was part of their makeup. And so if they were gonna proceed with a global encounter, they needed to really understand the emotions of human beings, how they thought, what they feared, what they loved, what comforted them, what and by the way, if you want to look at it that way, just let's I just got a, another view of the story. Mm. If you think about it, the Giffords were trapped there. They had these demonic sort of forces. They had these uh, scientific forces studying them. They were brought onto the craft. And they had this angelic presence. Imagine the different emotions you could feel if you were yeah. a scientist and could, could, could read the emotions as they went through all these different traumas. And so maybe no. relief and comfort is an emotion that, that they would be very interested in understanding you know,
0: and, you know we must be very valuable you know to be have this much interest in all these other worlds they're so uh fascinated by us and value us but i'm glad that there's also uh those fighting on the good side you know cuz there yeah. there must be some kind of uh kind of battle going on i don't know uh if it's a star wars kind of thing but I, I think that there's a uh, maybe a metaphysical battle going on that.
1: Know, you, that's, that's a certainly possibility. Thought. I think I think Mailer's quote uh, really captured that. Exactly. But again, right. That's it, just what it,
0: I was it, thinking about.
1: Yeah. If if you wanted to look at it from a purely scientific point of view, these images could come out of your own mind. In other words, if they're yes. siphoning, pulling images out. If they pulled images from your your mind, because you were raised, I, I guess Greek Orthodox, you'd said, yes. and I was raised Catholic. So if they probe my mind and were pulling images out, certainly there'd be an image of a devil somewhere in my head. There'd certainly be an image of an exactly. angel. There'd be an, Im- you know, so maybe maybe that's you see what I mean. Maybe that's yeah. how this is connected spiritually. Maybe it isn't so much spiritual as it is these images are in our head. The archetypes, let's say, and they pull them yes, out I and agree. see what kind of emotions they stir in us so they can study what our psychological makeup is. Now, there's a, there's a real theory.
0: That's a real theory, you know, and because there's never an end to the mind. And I think that's why it's so interesting is that there's never an end. Once you go through that door, there's another door. There's another, you know, it's down that rabbit hole, really. Sure, sure. You know, sure. Uh, that we talk about that the... It's such an incredible thing. I think we're very interesting. You know, I I I would, I don't like it. You know, I had one positive experience, and that was uh, this year. It's the only one I had in my whole life, and that's since I was a kid. And mm-hmm. it, my best friend was with me, and I told you there was a positive cat, cat-like cat being. Yeah. And when I, I lowered that boom on my group, I said, okay, I was visited by a couple of cats that were really nice.
1: And no
0: nothing, no reaction. I didn't feel like an idiot, right? But if it wasn't for my friend, you know, because she was there with me, and also her husband was standing out in the yard, like, looking at his phone because he didn't want to be part of it. So anyway, mm-hmm. I, we were thinking how cute they are and all this stuff. Anyway, uh, when, I, when I said finally, my breakthrough with this was, don't you remember in ancient Egypt they used to worship cats? Yeah. Why do you think they were worshiping point. cats? And You'll then the all of a sudden it was almost like a thing opened up in everybody's mind. Well, of course. what? Well, and I was thinking that's probably why they worship cats is because maybe a cat. That's a very interesting point, about.
1: too. Yeah, I that's know. Very, that's a really good point.
0: But that reminds me of your couple because their minds were open and, and hurt, so to speak, to a, an alternative reality of all these little, you know, creepy crawly things.
1: Well, you I mean, know, that's I, something know, I, we I,
0: dread, you know, it's sure. a little creepy crawly thing.
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm, t- I'm going to try to find actually there's a uh there's a uh, a section, you know, where they describe these these uh smaller beings and uh and uh here here's what they say. These are yeah. your cat-like beings. Remember I I said these gremlins? Like gremlins, mm-hmm. listen to this. This is going to be very interesting to you because of what you just said. Like gremlins, mm-hmm. no larger than three feet in height, with heads the size of a cat's. Translucent torsos and thin diaphanous limbs, the creatures reveled around the camper with boundless energy. Their eyes, fierce and malevolent, pierced the night as a pack of them climbed the branches of a nearby mesquite tree, while others tumbled and frolicked like child monsters, Amid the sagebrush and juniper that shrouded the desert wash where they'd camped, we're going to die," said Elise at last. These were the first words uttered by either of them since they'd positioned themselves in the back of the camper.
0: It's shocking, you know. And remember, I said that they.
1: And remember, I said that they actually pinched each other. So Tom's wary eyes scanned the blackened valley, unsure of himself and all that was going on around him. His huge frame quaked as he reached for Elise's hand. Pinch me. What? Pinch me. She did, and he felt it. Am I awake? Yes. Are you seeing what I am? I think so, but explain it to me, she answered numbly. Tell me exactly what you're seeing so we can compare. He swallowed hard. It was an exercise in sanity. Quote, the monitors, grayish blue like electric images, forming and unforming at the foot of the tailgate. She put her trembling arm around him, pressing him tightly to her. Yes, that's what I see. What else? The eyes. Red? Yes. What do they look like? Dwarves. Kind of like monkeys, but evil. I can feel the evil. See it in those eyes. He shook his head in disbelief, attempting to erase the image from his mind, but it was no use. They're playing, he continued, like wild kids, running up and around the camper into the wooded area and brush of the foothills and in the trees over there, he said, pointing to the right. But they must be weightless. Why? Because the branches, the limbs of the mesquite, even the thinnest ones, aren't bending. I know, Elise whispered. I see it, too. Steve held her at arm's length suddenly. He looked deep into her eyes, burning with fear. Are we hallucinating? No, I don't think so. Then it's real. As real as anything I know, she pledged. Tom, I'm scared. She put his hand over her heart. Can you feel it? My breathing. My heart. I'm hyperventilating. Anyway...
0: Wow, it just gives me the chills. It's it's really something else, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, getting your book. And I encourage everybody to support you and go get that book and your other ones too. You you just have an amazing body of work, and so it's very interesting. And I'm gonna start getting your books and reading them all. Thanks so Especially much, for this one, I will. So uh, you're welcome on any time, and uh, it's been wonderful having you on. And thank you so much for. Uh, being here and being such open minded guests. and uh, we were absolutely my it pleasure. Very
1: much. And it was again, great, it was a great discussion,
0: it uh, very much so. And again, you can be reached at uh, your website www.ronfelber, F E L B E R, right? That's correct. .com.
1: Ronfelber.com, yeah.
0: And, and the is book is The Mojave out in September. The Mojave Incident, it, 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 and
1: it will be it, out, it, It's available right now, it's available right it's now available on right uh, now? Amazon and um yes. and it'll be in bookstores in a in a week or so
0: are you going to be doing any book signings are you going to go out there and do something or what's your uh, next uh,
1: project well i'm going to do what's a book when, signing uh but it's 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 here on the east coast so i'm going to be doing a a book signing in uh, new jersey uh yeah. out on the east coast uh on september 12th in Mendham, new jersey and I'm um, going to be doing, you know, a lot, a lot, maybe more like talk shows and things like that because book signings are kind of rugged to, to you know, uh, tramp around yeah. the country. So uh, yeah. probably, probably radio, maybe a little TV.
0: Oh, well, that sounds excellent and interesting. So let us know and uh, good luck with everything. It's been amazing talking to you, and I wish you a good night. I know it's a well lot later there on the East Coast.
1: Thanks so much. Take care, sure
0: take care. Nice good, good
1: being to you. here. Okay, bye you bye. Too. Bye-bye.
0: So, people, with, uh, just wonderful talking to uh, Ron Felber. You can reach him again at www.ronr.onselberf.e.l.b.e.r.com for his book. And it's uh, The Mojave Incident. And it's a true story about a couple that had a very bizarre experience in Mojave. And he's written a lot of other books that really are kind of my cup of tea. And uh, he's uh, is writing for... Uh, the double life of a mafia doctor. And, uh, of that book, it was made for TV, uh, the mob doctor. It was a series on Fox. And, um, uh, he's a learned fellow, but he's a natural one too. And we really appreciate his, uh, the intelligence uh, that he brings to the subject. And I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight and calling in. And I appreciate everything very much and come back next week when we have another guest and, it's it's, uh, it's been an amazing night, really. It's given me a lot to think about, and I think you too. Uh, it's given all of us a lot to think about. So thank you again, Ron. And so follow the link to contact me, and you can also leave me a message if you want to be part of our show or for general health and assistance. You can also write me by snail mail, you know, Sharma Cain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 9254. And all our shows are archived, so you may listen to it later after it's processed. I want to thank our guests and again tonight, author Ron Silver, And also remember to tell your friends about our show. And uh this is our 301st episode, believe it or not. And the paranormal is sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And please recommend us. So God bless everybody. And your best dream come true and true love live in your heart. And uh I'm just impressed tonight and I have a lot to think about. So I'll see you again next week. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.